Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. Not much, just recovering from this damn surgery, dude. This has been a pain in the ass on the finger. It's a fun little recovery here. Ripped finger. I know, it's fucking destroyed. Check out this scar, man. It's gnarly. <laughs> yeah, it's getting gnarly. But I got, yeah, I'm doing OT, which is so painful. I can't, I can't, I can't straighten the finger. Are you going <laughs> to be able to after it sets? Yeah, or? yeah, it's got to, it's going to be like... It's going to be a good couple of months of doing. Did you snap a tendon too? No, no. It was just God, bone. It was a fracture that went into my like lower joint. And so since it went into the joint, I had to get surgery to correct it. And they put three screws in. And yeah, now I'm in OT. But I mean, I started like moving it pretty early. So the surgery went really well. The surgeon did a good job. But man the recovery sucks it's I like mean, the worst part honestly he definitely isn't a surgeon like michael and largo like oh my god <laughs> hey, why you get well now that you mentioned that why don't you tell that story of this weekend well you know what it, it actually it rolls perfectly right back to our episode we did a few weeks ago about networking um so might as well do a call back now so i had I had mentioned in that show I was talking to a, a pair of DJs and you know getting friendly with them and then eventually them following me from being like humorous and comedic. Well, I met them on Saturday night uh, at the nightclub after the show and you know got a phone number and you know just started talking, hanging out and uh, at that same nightclub, me and my friends for some reason on the Uber ride there, I was talking to one of my personal work customers uh, over the phone and I was really vague about it. And my friends are like, wow, Mike, you're such a great heart surgeon. Like, you're such a good soul. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know what? If this is happening, I guess I'm going to roll with it. So I became Dr. Mikhail and Largo, the greatest heart surgeon <laughs> in the world. Oh, my God. My friend then proceeded to introduce me to various people in the club as this is my great friend, Dr. Mikhail and Largo, the only man who can do heart surgery <laughs> over the phone. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, dude. You're fucking ridiculous. Well, Mikhail and Largo, are you ready to uh get into today's episode? Well, Mikhail and Largo is what you would call quite the stoic. Okay. So there we go. Um we're gonna be getting I'm really I'm actually really excited for this episode. I think it's gonna do a lot for a lot of people. I think there's just immense value involved in this episode because I think a lot of you are probably gonna get introduced um to stoicism today, which can be I mean a it is uh, the the philosophy of stoicism is extremely powerful. So we're gonna be talking a little bit. We're gonna be. I mean, the main idea of this episode is about um, imposter syndrome and dealing with imposter syndrome and having to work through imposter syndrome. And I think one of the best things to take away, um, something that you can use as a force against imposter syndrome, really is stoicism. Uh, and actually, we're going to be getting into meditations by Marcus Aurelius and who Marcus Aurelius is 
I think it's a great introduction to Stoicism itself. And we're going to get into some quotes that I've pulled from the book that I think are really good. And they relate to uh, most people. And especially, I think they relate to EDM producers or anyone in the music industry or really just like a business owner, anyone working on a personal car. Honestly, it's it's weird because Stoicism is... I noticed in my, you know, my research the last few weeks we've talked about doing this episode, um, a lot of it gets relayed back to music production and, you know, being a musician in general. A lot of people just relate it directly, direct correlation. So it's it's really interesting because honestly, uh, of the, you know, the people I've met and the producers I've met, they all seem pretty stoic, honestly. Level-headed, think- yeah. Yeah, it depends. I mean, it really, I think it really depends on who's like the, the biggest thing that fights against stoicism is the ego. Like ego is the number one thing that pushes against stoicism and stoicism is like the one thing that you can use to really fight against that, that ego. So anyone that's not so egocentric that isn't, you know, isn't harbored down by their, or I should say, you know, anchored down by their ego is probably more or less fairly stoic, whether they realize it or not. And so uh, we're going to be kind of diving into some of those, some of the ideas of stoicism and how you can use that against imposter syndrome. Because I know we all face it. I mean, I've been having some serious issues with imposter syndrome just within the last couple of weeks. It's very like my imposter, that voice in my head has been very manic lately where it's like I have big ups and then almost right on the flip side, I've got that voice in my head the net the day after that high of being excited working on something or having good news as soon as that day is over usually that that voice is starting to come back and it's coming back heavy and it's been happening to me quite frequently within the last couple weeks and actually one thing i i think dawned on me today because i was having some issues with it today is i realized you know I, i should really be carrying around meditations and i'm not even kidding as when when those things come up, start reading through the book. Because the thing about meditations, and we're going to get into that in a minute, is you don't need you don't need to like read it through and through. You don't need to read it from page one to the last page. You don't need to read it chapter by chapter. It's not set up that way. It's set up. It's basically a bunch of quotes from Marcus Aurelius. So again, like I said, we're going to get into that. But it can be extremely useful when you're having those issues of anxiety or stress or whatever. Being able to flip open this book and just start reading a couple of pages through different passages and thinking about things. It really does help for me, especially kind of center me and focus me and realize, okay, all this shit is bullshit that's going on in my head. So let's, um, I feel like before we jump in, I think we should honestly jump onto the, obviously the main man in this situation is going to be Marcus Aurelius, but we also should mention that uh, Stoicism was founded by, uh, I believe his name was Zeno. He was a Greek philosopher. And um, basically, this is very highly originated in Greece. And then the Romans later on took the Greek ideals and adapted it, which Marcus Aurelius was a Roman, was one of the last great Roman emperors, as well as one of their great military generals. Definitely, yeah. And yeah, Stoicism dates back to, I mean, Plato, Socrates, uh, Seneca was a huge influence on Marcus Aurelius himself. Marcus Aurelius studied a ton of Seneca. 
Um, Letters from a Stoic is another fantastic book, which we're not going to be jumping into that. Um, I actually haven't started that. I'm excited to start it eventually. Um, I've got the book. I just haven't. I haven't finished through meditations yet, and I'm waiting until I finish through that. But let let's let's talk about what stoicism is and like the core beliefs of stoicism. And I think this might be this is probably going to be the the most difficult thing for a lot of people to digest and accept. And that's okay. You don't have to. Again, you don't have to be a stoic. But stoicism is really just a philosophy, a belief of life. And there's three core pillars to stoicism, and that's the logos of the world that's the physics and the ethics of it all that's that's what runs stoicism and that's what pours out the belief of stoicism and that's how that's how you can kind of grasp and understand some of the um some of the concepts of stoicism and especially the darker concepts of it all so in logos is that big one there now with logos a lot of um a lot of the older stoics the original stoics from you know Greece and from Rome a lot of those cultures were focused heavily on gods and whatnot. So a lot of a lot of the word logos and God get conflated in that term because during those times the logos was God. God was the logos. And what the logos is is just the nature and the order of everything. It's it's the natural being of what happens happens and there's nothing you can do about it. It's the natural order of things. Whether or not you're hurt, whether or not you're killed, whether or not someone in your family is killed. And we're going to get into that with Marcus Aurelius because there's a fascinating line between him being a stoic, understanding the logos of the world and having horrific mortality in his in his family, um, which is just completely fantastic. But understanding that the logos of the world is the nature of being. It's the order of the universe and there's nothing you can do to fight back against the logos and understanding the concept of accepting the logos and understanding that it's here and it's going to be there and it's never going away. Whether you're here or whether you're, you're long dead after a thousand years, the logos will remain and will continue. And grasping that and accepting that is kind of, it's, it's one of the biggest pillars of stoicism because that's how you can digest bad things that happen to you and not let them get to you because again there's nothing you can really do about it so there's no there's no real reason to get upset over over certain things now it's it's not to say you shouldn't feel it's not to say you shouldn't have emotions it's that you should not let those emotions control control you based off of things that have happened um and then the second being you know physics of the world that's that's the literal term of physics of how the world works of how you know matter is matter is matter how you can turn you know grapes into wine that's the physics of the world so the physics is the literal meaning of um you know the nature of the nature of things and how that nature works and then obviously you have the ethics of the world which is i think ethics is probably one of the other probably the second most important thing to focus on being that you know it being ethical means you're a good person being ethical means that you're not hurting others being ethical means that you understand and respect one another even if you might come from a different path of life even if someone makes different choices and decisions of that 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 you wouldn't 
that you wouldn't make being ethical towards that person is very important. And we've talked about that, you know, providing value to people, helping each other out and uh, just being a good fucking person. Like it's not going to get you anywhere if you're not an ethical person. And I think, you know, the ethics plays a big, big part of the ego because most egotistical people are not all that ethical because they really don't care about anyone else but themselves. So there's no, there's no, there's nothing holding them down. There's nothing anchoring them down to being a, a just and moral person. Stoicism in itself, of course, it has the, the three core pillars, but even implementing just a single virtue out of any of them into your lifestyle makes dramatic changes. A lot of people claim that stoicism is like one of the key factors in some business people's success, and it's it's widely hailed as for successful people. If you implement the correct usage of stoicism in your life, you'll typically find better things happening to you because it's a, it's a different frame of mind. You're reframing your situation, and you're making the best of what you have. And uh, that's my two cents right there. Yeah, I think you... Uh... I think you're 100% right. Even implementing just one of these. I mean, think, yeah, yeah. Like implementing the logos in your life, life and accepting the logos is even just accepting that is going to help you not to dwell on things. And, you know, I'm, I'm really preaching to the choir right now because like this is uh, the logos is something that I struggle with all the time. I think it's probably the thing that most people struggle with is accepting the things that are going on in their life and not getting frustrated over it and, and I mean, becoming angry. It, it, it really fits music producers well because uh, you could be going through a, a really rough patch. You're writing song after song, and they're all coming out bad. You're writing like the first, uh, first break and first chorus of the song, and you're like, I can't get this right. So you throw everyone away. You never finish the song, and... Basically, you're just hindering yourself. If you don't go out and complete those songs and play them out and finish them, you're not getting the experience you need in all the areas you get. Like You're not putting hours in where you need them. So you're hindering yourself by getting on top of yourself and saying, I can't do this, why can't I do this? If you keep a level head and you know keep your head down to the grindstone and you get really to it, get through everything... It may not be your best product right there, but the next product will be five times closer than if you hadn't. Yeah, and you know, the other part of that too would be like if you're submitting track after track to labels and you're getting rejected one after another, that's a difficult thing to deal with a lot of the times. It's it's hard to I mean, think about like if you're trying to trying to apply to jobs and you just keep getting rejected over like that's that sucks it's painful if you're trying to find a new source of income like that or you know again going the label route same thing if you keep getting rejected that's hurtful that sucks there's a there's a pain there but if you can again deal with the logos and be like you know what that's not the label i want to go to then like that's there's a reason why that's not supposed to happen right now so we need to move on to the next thing because we can't think about that. Like there's so much other stuff we need to work on that we can't sit here and think about, well, why did that label not want me? Is it because of this? Is it? And again, this is where the imposter syndrome starts kicking in. So that's where like the logos becomes so important to understand, accept and move on so that you aren't dwelling on these things that are th that's empowering that voice in your head going 
why aren't they doing this? Well, it's because you're not this, you're not that, you don't do that. Like that's that's where that's where stoicism plays a bit, and that's that's a huge chunk of stoicism, right? Is and, that logo and not it's even big, you know like feeding the the voice in your head? You're just once you get attached to one negative feeling and you say, "What can I do to remedy this?" You're only solving one problem. So, like, if I get rejected by revealed recordings, and I go back to write my track and change it up again, and I make it for revealed recordings, then I can't send it to anybody else. Yeah, so, um, so that's, the, the, that's the big, big point of what stoicism is. And I think, that's, I think we explained it pretty well where you guys can kind of grasp why this can be a powerful thing for most, if not all of you guys to adopt and start studying and implementing in your life. Um, so let's get into, let's get into Marcus Aurelius next, because we're going to be talking about the book Meditations. Um, specifically, we are going to be going into the Gregory Hayes, um, translation. So there's, there's many, many translations of this book. Gregory Hayes is, um, I think one of the more recent ones, and it is, uh, it's, one of the it's one of the ones that makes the most sense he puts a lot of the translations into plain english whereas some of the other translations are a little more difficult to read and grasp um so i i strongly suggest the meditations translation by gregory hayes and i'll have that in the show notes but the way the let's just get into the way the book is set up and so the book is set up is over over the lifetime of Marcus Aurelius's um, time in power as an emperor. Um, I, I don't specifically know the dates of when he started writing meditation. Why well, he here's the okay. So here's the thing about the book: he never intended this thing to be published. All of the writings, he never thought he was an interesting person. He never thought any of his beliefs or his thoughts were all that interesting. Um, and again, I think that plays into how stoic he is and how um, uh, how non-ego driven he was. And I think his work in the Empire of Rome show was shown through that as well. But he started, ba- he basically, there's, I think, how many books are there? There's like eight or nine books. Um, no, 12 books. Might be 12. Yeah, yeah I think there's, there's 12. Yeah, there's 12 books that he wrote to himself um, that eventually all be all ended up being published or translated into one book. And so the book is about 150 pages or so. And any quote could be five words. Some of them are entire pages, couple multiple pages. But the whole intention of the book was him writing to himself. It was like a reminder to himself about like a these, journal. Yeah, it was really more so of a journal. And so a lot of the passages you're actually going to hear in this is you'll 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 hear phrases like, oh, you you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. That's not being directly spoken to you. It's not intended to tell you what to do. This was a passage written to Marcus himself. So he's telling himself at a later date, don't do this, don't do that. And so none of this was ever intended to teach people anything. None of it is, was intended to showcase what a brilliant man he was and, um, and, and, and that process. But, but 
like these books were founded upon by someone and they were passed down to someone else and then they were reprinted by someone else and they've no one really knows how this book ended up being here but again you know you don't want to talk about the logos and the nature of things and it being one of the most widely printed stoic books out there and one one of the most widely regarded books and marcus being probably the greatest emperor to have ever ruled Rome. Like it's no wonder why it ended up here where it's at. And some so, sources up. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some sources claim I am reading 170 to 180 AD. Uh, I see 171 to 176. So I think those are after his rule. I think that's uh, after he appointed um, Commodus as emperor. Yeah, I know he died didn't he die as emperor he died in battle didn't he uh yeah but i think it was in general at that point okay he was a general at that point i I believe so so um let's yeah let's let's just kind of dive into marcus aurelius himself real quick so marcus ruled i think one what one one 161 161 to 180 yeah 161 to 180 um ad is when he ruled he he didn't have a father um he only knew his mother and I think like an uncle or something. I think he might have had a brother, but he didn't have any father at the time. But he was he I think he, I'm pretty sure he was in the Senate and he was adopted by um, Aurelius. And through his adoption, he I, I think Aurelius's mentor and the emperor before him had actually made a deal with him that he wanted Marcus to become the emperor for Aurelius and Aurelius at the time didn't have a son. And so when you didn't have a son during that time, you had to, you had to adopt someone as your son to then appoint them as a ruler. Um, You could also appoint other people as rulers, but um, most of the time, if you wanted, uh, you know, if you wanted to carry on the legacy of a ruler, you had to adopt someone to bring them into your family. And so Marcus was adopted at a fairly young age by Aurelius and Aurelius was actually um, a pretty good ruler himself as well. And Marcus attests to that in many of the books and many of his writings. Um, he, he passionately writes about Aurelius and um, his influences and everything that he's learned from him. He has a big, big, long passage in, in the first book where he talks about, he kind of talks about everyone he knows specifically in his close family and the the kind of people that they were. And the longest passage out of anyone in his family was his um, his adopt or, you know, his adopted father, um, Aurelius. And so he spent years, I think close to 20 years under Aurelius while Aurelius was emperor, just studying him, just bearing witness to every decision he made why he made decisions and being taught um, by him. And I think that played a that played a big impact on who he became and why he was such a such an incredible ruler and um, a very stoic person, a very fair person for sure. I mean, at that some of his writings about slaves during that time is crazy because he does not see them as slaves at all. And for I mean, we're talking about very recently after uh jesus christ's death so it's like where slaves were everything i mean you would go raid a a village and everyone there 
you would kill all the men and you'd take all the women and children as slaves. And he did not, and through a lot of his writings, he saw a lot of slaves as equals of other people. Um, during his lifespan, I mean, he was going up against some of the most brutal wars during Rome's time against barbarians. Um, and going into a lot of his family life, the reason why I think he's such a fantastic stoic and, you know, going into the thing of not of accepting the logos, he had something like 11 children, I think 11 or 12 children. And out of all of them, only one lived, <laughs> which ended up being his son who turned into an emperor and was one of the worst emperors in yeah, the Roman Thomas empire was um, not a great emperor. I think empire. he ruled for like six to nine years or something. And then yeah. was quickly assassinated. He was the start of uh, some of the most brutal re- leadership. Uh, it, it basically started a, the worst stretch in Roman history. It was after 84 years of really solid rulership under the five great emperors. Five, yeah. Those five great emperors were like back to back and then it quickly fell apart, which is, What I find just incredibly fantastic is the fact that Marcus Aurelius, arguably the greatest ruler of Rome, one of the greatest people to have ever lived, his only son to survive out of 11 or 12 children, can't remember the number, became one of the worst rulers. Like such a stoic person never passed these things on to his child. And who knows? I mean, I don't I don't know if we have enough information to dissect why his son turned into who he was. Um, I have not done enough research on that. I'm not going to act like I do. But it's 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 an interesting thing to see someone who was so dedicated to his line of work and his thought process and like just being a good person that he didn't instill that own thing on his on his own son. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to also take into con- uh, context that. Commodus became ruler when he was uh, 16, 19. He was, he was very young. So he didn't have the time to watch his father rule. Yeah, Marcus, I think, started ruling like in his late 30s or early 40s, something like He had 20 years to prepare. He 40. knew this was. He had 40. Go- he had 40 years? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he had a lot of time to prepare. And um, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess, yeah, if you're talking about, I mean, think about. Um, uh, Joffrey from fucking Game of Thrones. I mean, think about him. Like, it's like a child becoming king. Owns all, like, can do whatever he wants. So I'm sure. I mean, it just corrupts so easily, especially with the ego. Um, but during Marcus's time, he, like, he was also dealing with a plague that was running through, uh, running through Rome. Um, again, dealing with barbarian raids and one of the worst wars of. Rome's time, his all of his children died. Like there's all of these, there's all all of the things that make someone a horrible ruler. All of the things that make someone panic, make them freak out, make them crumble and just fall under the pressure. All of those things are there. Yet Marcus never falls into that trap. He's never. He, I'm sure there's a lot of for 100 being like the emperor of the biggest empire to have ever been around during that time there are plenty of influences um to have corrupted him and taken him down a different path but and again Aurelius was incredibly just and you know he was he, he he was for his time not corrupt which was surprising 
Yeah, and I again, I think that's what speaks to this philosophy of stoicism. I, I and I think that's my whole point about talking about Marcus Aurelius and specifically meditations because we get a little we get a peek into that mind. We get a peek into who he was, how he thought, and why he thought a certain way. So let's let's now jive. Jive. Let's let's go ahead and jive right into these. Uh, let's dive into some of these passages. We've got. I'm gonna. We'll see how many we can get through. I think I've got about probably four or five, something like that. But M- Mike, you haven't heard any of these. I have not. Yeah, let's let's preface this that I chose to be surprised. So I'm surprising these with Mike and I'm and I want to kind of we're going to go through these and dissect these and how these apply to our lives and what we see in a lot of these passages. So this first passage comes from book three and it's the 12th passage. And this is what it is. If you do the job in a principled way with diligence, energy and patience, if you keep yourself free of distractions and keep the spirit inside you undamaged, as if you might have to give it back at any moment. If you can embrace this without fear or expectation, can find fulfillment in what you're doing now, as nature intended, and in superhuman truthfulness, every word, every utterance, then your life will be happy. No one can prevent that. The biggest takeaway I think I, that I got from this passage is, is mostly... From the first few words, which is if you do the job in a principled way. Now, again, think about this. Marcus is saying if you do this, if you do the job in a principled, principled way, he's talking about himself as an emperor. Like if you do the job of an emperor in a principled way, you're going to you're going to lead a much happier life. We're not emperors here, right? We're uh, we're producers. But the point can still be you can translate that into just about any job you're doing. Okay, think of us as producers you're doing things in a principled and diligent way with ener- with your energy and patience and if you keep yourself free of distractions you know social media all that stuff um and keep the spirit inside you undamaged as if you might have to give it back at any moment now i a couple of takeaways from that is obviously one is making sure you're I think the ethics are involved with that, with the principled way of doing things. He also spoke on the nature as nature intended. Again, that's logos. Doing your job in a principled way with diligence, energy, and patience as a producer, I think speaks levels in terms of you're you're working towards a specific goal, but you're patient with that goal. You're not freaking out. You're not expecting it to just pop into your hands. Exactly. It, it, you have to be you have to be principled, meaning you have to have systems to be able to accomplish certain things. You have to be able to do things efficiently. Again, making sure that your your energy is in the right direction. You're not distracted, and with that comes systems. Whether you're blocking social media sites or whatever, all of that I think builds up to what makes a great producer as well. Any like the the same qualities that would make a great emperor make a great anything else. And then, yeah, again, the second part of the passage, if you can embrace this without fear or expectation, can find fulfillment in what you're doing now as nature intended and in superhuman truthfulness, every word, every utterance, then your life will be happy. No one can prevent that. So there's a lot to even unpack there. Again, embracing it without fear or expectation. So you have no fear that if you have no fear that this is not going to turn into what you think it's going to be. 
But also, you don't have expect you shouldn't have expectations that it's going to at the same time. You're happy with it how it is and what you're doing right now. And that's something that I think a lot of producers could learn from is, you know, be satisfied with what you do as is. And don't take that in such a literal sense where you write the most mediocre piece of music possible and say, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to send this to freaking Universal. Think of it like you're doing your best, but you're not, you know, destroying your own life with it. You're you're putting out your you're accepting the journey like we've talked about in the past. Like again, the the enjoying the process. It's not a job; it's a hobby. Exactly. Think about where you're at today as a producer, and think about where you were two years ago. You know, some of you maybe started six months ago, but I mean, for a lot of us, we started two, three, five, ten years ago. I know for me, I started ten years ago. If I showed the stuff that I was producing today to myself ten years ago. I would think I was the king of the world, regardless of whether or not I'm actually releasing anything. Like I would be so fucking thrilled that I was ever able to do that. But back then I was not, I was like, I want it now. It needs to be here. Now there was, there was an expectation that I would get somewhere and I was so afraid that it wouldn't end up where I wanted. I don't know. You released a song 10 years ago that, Still doing pretty a, good on Spotify. Shitty track. I'm not even. I'm not going to talk about. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. But um, <laughs> maybe we'll share that later on down the road. You got but, the like thirty thousand monthly listeners. Bro. I think it's, <laughs> dude. I don't know how or why, but, um, but I think it really is like embracing this without fear or expectation. There's a lot to unpack there. Because cause being able to live, it's really talking about living in the moment, living in the moment of that time of you enjoying something that you're doing and you're better today than you were yesterday and understanding that you're going to be better tomorrow than you are today. I think that's that getting rid of the expectation. You know, you can get rid of the expectation of whether or not you're going to be who you want to be in 10 years or whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're enjoying the moment now. And that you know that you doing whatever you're you're currently doing is going to make you better later on down the road, it, regardless of whether or not you're going to be, you know, a touring artist or have millions of fans. That, that doesn't matter. What matters is that the things that you're doing today, as long as, again, you're following the ethics of life, that you're going to end up being a better person. So accepting that don't be afraid of the failure, but also don't expect that you're going to get somewhere that's going to allow you to enjoy the moment of creating something beautiful, whether or not you think it's your best work or your worst work. It's, it's something that you can do and you're able to do the, the second, the second part of that too, though, is um, finding the fulfillment in what you're doing now. So I, I think we kind of dived in, we, we dipped into that a bit is, you know, getting rid of that fear and expectation is how you're going to feel more fulfilled. It's how you're going to be more happy with, you know, some of those shitty tracks you write doesn't matter again, like that, putting those work, putting that work and putting that practice in, it's just going to make you better. So that's, that's where you should look for that fulfillment is any work that you're doing on this. As long as you're enjoying it, you're going to feel fulfilled with it. Yeah. There's no reason for you to believe that to, to put in work and you see no improvement. I don't believe that doing something for hours upon hours upon hours leads to no improvement. There is always an improvement to be made. You may not notice it, but it's happening. The very last sentence 
by far is probably one of the most important ones, which is no one can prevent that. So I want you all to think about that because I know there's a ton of us that look at others that you, you might be jealous of where they're at or um, you might have gotten hurt by someone or it doesn't matter. None of those pr- people, none of those people can prevent you from not being happy or not being fulfilled with what you're doing in music and what you're doing as a producer. No one can take that away from you. And and I think that's an important thing to understand, especially with imposter syndrome, because I know a lot of people and I've dealt with this with myself. I see people who are my same age or people I know who end up becoming more successful than I am in music. And sometimes that that imposter syndrome can really kick in. It doesn't matter what the fuck those people are doing. It doesn't matter what the fuck those people are saying. They are not going to prevent you from feeling fulfilled regardless of where you're at in music. You're the only person that's going to put that roadblock in front of you. Your mind is the only thing that's going to tell you that that person's better than you or, or, oh, fuck them. They're not really that good. Like, you know, saying that sort of shit. They're not the ones putting that in your mind. They're not the ones that are creating you from, or, or sorry, they're not the ones that are preventing you from being happy with the music that you're writing. It's only yourself. It's only, that's the only thing in your way. So this was a really good passage that I read like a couple of times where I was like, fuck. And I had to sit down and think about that because there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think it's, I think there's, I think it's a fantastic thing to break down, especially for musicians and producers. Let's uh, go ahead and move on to the next passage, which is from book four, passage 31. Love the discipline, you know, and let it support you and trust everything willingly to the gods and then make your way through life. No one's master and no one's slave. This is another one. I think it, it, it speaks um, to the same, you know, to the same qualities of that previous passage. Uh, which, you know, he talks about willingly to the gods. It's the logos. It's the nature of things. You don't have to don't think of that literally as the gods. It's just the nature of the universe. But loving the discipline, you know, and let it support you, I think is I think that's the key takeaway is like the, the it's tough to be a fucking producer. It's tough to wake up and look at a blank project and be like, OK, I've got to do this. I got to do that. Like there, there's discipline involved in you moving going through those motions of starting a track from zero to taking it to 100 to then releasing it to promoting it building a fan base there's a there's a heavy discipline involved with that and loving that discipline again loving that journey loving that process is in letting that support you and support your life is and i think letting it support your life isn't in the literal sense of it's what funds your life you know it's what pays the bills but i think more so letting it support your life and in that it supports why you're happy and why you love doing this thing, even in the worst parts of it. Anything else you want to jump on that, Mike? Um, I'm processing it, but I don't, I don't think I got, honestly, I, I regret not asking you to send these over. They're fucking deep, dude. You got to think about them. I know. And they're like so long. <laughs> I have the memory of a goldfish, but I can still do perform heart surgery over the phone. So <laughs> let's let's not forget that. Uh, it's very it's very leveling, honestly. Like you put yourself in a room with thirty, you know, uh, big time signed producers, 
and I'd say like twenty five of them probably to be like, yeah, I'm the same as you. I, I think the I think the no one's master and no one's slave phrase is is a great look uh, is is a great thing to look at with um a, a lot a, I think that can point a lot towards like record labels and fans. So you like your label is not the master to you, or even like an agent and manager. It's like the behind the scenes type of shit. It's a lot of the stuff that people want, right? People want an agent, they want a manager, they want a big record label. But the important thing to understand is that you're not a slave to them. You're not their master and vice versa, right? There's an equal teamwork built in this, that you're creating something beautiful that you all love and grasping that and making sure that that's involved with your discipline and that you're not letting that, letting any one of those things control your decision making or your happiness because again if people if someone's controlling that decision making that's ultimately controlling your happiness unless you want someone to explicitly make those decisions for you that's a completely different thing to talk about but um but yeah that was that was another good one that i that i think plays a lot into specifically you know just talking about any, anything talking about like a discipline i think is going to apply to producers or musicians let's uh let's jump to the next passage which is from book four and it's pass passage 36 constant awareness that everything is born from change the knowledge that there is nothing nature loves more than to alter what exists and make new things like it all that exists is the seed of what will emerge from it you think the only seeds are the ones that make plants or children go deeper wow that that one's that one's heavy but i you know i actually think it has a lot of merit especially in the music industry just uh based on you know what i've witnessed some of my closest friends and maybe i'm interpreting this incorrectly but we'll see uh i've seen some of my friends go from producing one type of music to kind of pioneering their own path and you know developing their sound to be something totally new and that's when they started to really achieve and take off and you know break through in terms of you know streams and supports and plays i i think that that's represented fairly well in that quote yeah i want to read this one more time just in case anyone needs to hear it again because this one's fucking deep and this one speaks to me by far out of all the quotes this one speaks one of the loudest other than i think maybe the last one that i've got but uh, let me just read it again constant awareness that everything is born from change the knowledge that there is nothing nature loves more than to alter what exists and make new things like it all that exists is the seed of what will emerge from it you think you think the only seeds are the ones that make plants or children go deeper. Ex the biggest thing I took away from this is just accepting change. Nothing's ever going to stay. It's always going to be. And this, this is not just the physical world or maybe that, you know, you'll get a new girlfriend and that girlfriend might turn to your wife and you'll have kids like that's a big change. Or, you know, you going from high school to college, that's a big, I, not just that sort of change. But even changing your fucking mind, there is more than likely, and, and I've talked about this with multiple people on this podcast, and 
I've talked about my own personal experiences of like, you know, I wanted to be a touring artist. I wanted to do all these things. And then, and then my mind changed. But the issue is, is I, I pushed against that. Like I, I, I kind of had this inkling in my head and I'm kind I'm going through this right now. Like I'm having some big changes in my life and I'm, I'm, I'm making some decisions that are going to change a lot of what I've built over the last few years. And it's, I've been pushing against that. Again, we're talking about pushing against nature. We're pushing against the logos, which never works out in our favor. And so just ex- having that acceptance that change is going to happen and accepting that change is the first step of moving forward. And it's going to allow you to improve on yourself much faster. It's going to allow you to build things that were better than the last much faster. Um, there's a lot of producers who either outright change their career or outright change their genre. And a lot of the fans push back against that. And that probably doesn't feel good. I mean, we've talked about Getter. Getter in 20, I think it was 2019, went on tour to promote his new album, which was a complete genre change from what he normally spins. And he was booed off stage in the first like two or three shows or something. Like the first show he was booed off stage. By a crowd of his fans, but he, you know, he didn't prep his fans that it was going to be something different that they're not used to. So that's an issue in and of itself. But like, there are probably a lot of that gave him probably a lot of thought to not want to accept the change that he might be going through. Right. And that creates a lot of other destructive issues in your life, especially when you're like full send already into it. You're huge. Like your whole, this is your whole thing. This is your career. This is your path. This is what you do. And so when you have a a change there and not being able to accept it, that makes things a lot more difficult. You're, you're really fighting against yourself. I mean, what you're fighting against nature, which again, we can't fight against nature. Try stopping a hurricane. <laughs> like there's, you're not stopping a hurricane. That ain't. There's no way to stop that. There's, there, there's nothing you can do. There, I think there's little things in our life that are the same thing, right? As we get older, there's, there's certain things that we just, we can't, we can't stop the change of you becoming an adult and going into certain. I think that's where a lot of people get into destructive, addictive behaviors is because they don't accept things, they don't accept change. They, don't, there's a lot of things they push back on and that puts them in a really dark place and so i think just this one this one spoke a lot to me personally just because of all the change that i've gone through in my own life and and it it is true like being aware of that change that can come at any moment and not don't be a surprise by when that moment hits you where it's like fuck i don't think i want to do this that's okay there were there were times where I was in, in my head that would come up where it's like, you know, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And this was not an imposter syndrome, so much of an imposter syndrome thing as it was like a true life change where it's like, no, I do want to do something else. But in my mind, I had I had put you like the safety of what you already knew, what I already knew, what I had create expectations that I had created for myself in this thought of who I was. And again, I think that was all of that was very ego driven. Um, I think a lot of that was ego driven based off of like people in my life. I wanted to impress or look good when they, you know, when years went by and they they're like, oh, what's he doing? They look at me and they're like, oh, 
He's way better. Like, I almost wanted to instill that egotistical fear in someone else of like, oh, they're not doing enough. Um, and that's, again, that's not, the, that's not the way you approach this shit. That is like the most unhealthy, worst way you approach anything in life. And so because I had instill, instilled those thoughts in myself, instilled those expectations, when change was coming in my life, I pushed against it because I didn't want to alter that path. But that path is almost always going to be altered by something. Whether or not you stick with it or decide to change, it's up to you. And that's, that's going to take you down a different path. But it doesn't matter. I think just understanding and respecting and realizing that change is going to come and accept the change, it's going to get you down the path a lot further. It's going to get you, to, it's going to get you down the path to happiness way, way quicker than if you push against nature and push against your mind and push against all of that and stay in the misery that you're creating because it only gets worse until you make that change. You know, again, we can, we can point it towards addiction, right? Addiction doesn't get better if you keep taking drugs. There's the, there comes a point where you decide that you want to change, that you decide that, you, that, that something needs to change, and you accept that change, and that's when you get help, and that's when your life gets better. Otherwise, it keeps, it compounds. It gets worse until you die. Yeah, it was a fucking deep one. That is a that is by far one of the deepest ones I think we're gonna get into. Let's get into this next passage, which is from book four. is fantastic. Book four has a lot of these um, a lot of these great insights. But uh, book four, passage thirty nine. This one is this one's gonna be great because this one's more about others in your life, other people that might affect you, whether or not that's family, friends co-workers or just anyone that that kind of tries to go against you okay so nothing that goes on in anyone else's mind can harm you nor can the shifts and change and changes in the world around you then where is harm to be found in your capacity to see it stop doing that and everything will be fine let the part of you that makes that judgment keep quiet, even if the body it's attached to is stabbed or burnt or stinking with pus or consumed by cancer. Or to put it in another way, it needs to realize that what happens to everyone, bad and good alike, is neither good nor bad. That what happens in every life, lived naturally or not, is neither natural nor unnatural. This one's a little, this one's a little trickier. The biggest takeaway from this one that I got was the idea of not fighting nature and accepting things that come to you, good or bad. And there's even putting the label of good or bad on it is not the right phrasing. It just is what it is. You either got something you were supposed to or you may not feel you're always given something that you're supposed to. But I, I think a lot of this can play part in like karma stuff. But just the um the acceptance of everything i i think a lot of, i i love the acceptance factor in all of this because it a lot of a lot of people <laughs> reject things and they don't accept things as at face value and that's where they get hurt but not allowing your mind to go to a dark place or again imposter syndrome to send you to a dark place um and understanding that acceptance is it's 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 what gets you to that happy place you're seeking well, I mean, if you really compare it to anything, it's, um, you know, the stages of grief are are a good way to, like, look through it. 
because those first couple stages, you're miserable, you're not having a good time at all. But then once you hit acceptance, you know, you may not be happy, but you've found, you know, solace on on what you've been griefing over or mourning over. Um, and basically, it's yeah. just it's, it's better than the suffering. Better than the suffering. And the fact that, like, also, like, there's... I think the issue that a lot of people have in their lives is that they, they let things get to them. They let their mind get to them. They let their mind control them. They they let things that they think are an issue or are harmful to them when they really aren't. Our mind loves to pr- play tricks on us, and it loves to conjure up hypotheticals that are not real at all, that send us to dark places. And even when you go through the real situation that you created with that hypothetical, it's n- it, it never ends up being the same as the hypothetical, nor even close to it. I mean, e- even psychologists talk about like fortune telling and um there's another term that i can't think of right now uh self-sabotage and all all sorts of stuff like that that's all very like highly uh researched in in psychology today and talking about you know that even if you're stabbed burnt stinking with pus consumed by cancer it doesn't matter what the fuck is going on with you the thing that is creating that harm or or defeat or pain is yourself ultimately it's you creating that pain okay we got we got two more passages to jump in here um so we're gonna get through them all uh okay so again this one comes from book four this is passage 47 suppose that a god announced that you were going to die tomorrow or the day after Unless you were a complete coward, you wouldn't kick up a fuss about which day it was. What difference could it make? Now recognize that the, dif- that the difference between years from now and tomorrow is just as small. Let not the fear of death dictate your life, is what I've gotten out of that one. Yeah, you want me to read it again? Yeah, do it again. Suppose that a god announced that you were going to die tomorrow or the day after. Unless you were a complete coward, you wouldn't kick up a fuss about which day it was. What difference could it make? Now recognize that the difference between years from now and tomorrow is just as small. A big part of stoicism is thinking about death like almost every day, like thinking about your death every day. And again, I think that's how you accept death. I don't I think most people are so afraid of death and go through life afraid of death, they don't want to think about it, and then when death is coming, they're so afraid to like but the, the sooner you think about that death, the more you can accept it and realize, again, it's part of nature and you're going to go through it. Everyone does. Um, and it's easier to get to that point. You're 100 Yeah, you're you're right about you're right about the passage. It's, it's like, don't be afraid that don't be afraid of death. Don't be like it could, doesn't matter if it comes tomorrow or next week or it's happening years, what, it one way or another. It's happening. It, yeah, it's it's going to fucking happen. So there's no reason to fucking dwell on it. Um, now that I think there's a difference between thinking about your like thinking about death in that way of that you will die someday. I think there's there's an importance to think about that, but there's a difference between dwelling on it and thinking. Don't about dwell it. on it. Let it control your life. Like if you're afraid of dying in a car accident, don't ev- don't ever get in a car. You're suffering. Uh, but I, I think we can e- go even deeper into this with production and a lot of producers and like your quote unquote dreams and the rush of like getting to the goal because i think the the rush to get to the goal a lot of that is influenced by the fear of well i don't have a lot of time 
Like, I could die tomorrow, or, you know, I might die when I'm 50. I don't even think it's a physical sense of death. I think it's a a metaphorical sense of death. I think people think that uh, for producers, you know, 30 is a cutoff. You know, you turn 30, your career is over. It doesn't matter. If it never started, gone. And that's just not true. I, I mean, guys get started nowadays, 30, 32, 34, 35. I mean, Tiesto's still DJs. He's, what, 50? You hit a really good point there, and I, I, I'd like to dissect that even more because the idea of the cutoff being at 30 puts such a, you know, that the death... You know, th- forget about your real physical death, but yeah, think about your metaphorical death of your career. Oh, I can never be a successful producer if I'm not someone by 30 or 35. And that puts this fear of like needing to get things done as soon as possible. And when you start forcing things again, if you start going against that natural order of things, it's going to be a bad fucking time. You're not, you can't go against nature. So you're going to get to where you need to go in your own time and accept that. Don't be afraid of the, the, I didn't even think about it this way. And I think you, I think you're brilliant for thinking about that way of a metaphorical death of your career, because I think a lot of producers do fear that. I think a lot of producers fear that if they don't get to a certain point at a certain time, you have to hit milestones by milestones or it's over. Yeah. And I, I mean, I 100%, I built, I've built a lot of my life around this thought process. I still deal with this issue today. Like this is still something I continue to deal with as I, I mean, I, I, I dealt, I was thinking about this shit earlier today. Like I need to get to a certain point. If I don't get there, it's all like, it's so ridiculous. And we're the only people that put those that timeline in our head, right? No one else puts that timeline in our head other than ourselves. And you have to even think about it like this. In today's day and age, I don't know who my favorite producers are. I don't know how old they are. I don't know what they look like. Like, how am I going to know if Julian Jordan is 22 or 776? Like, I don't care. So why why should you? Yeah, I think that was that fucking passage is great for that metaphor of being using that as a metaphor for music careers. It's, that is fucking fantastic. I think I'm gonna put this put what you said in as a little preview for the episode as a little hook because that's fucking fantastic. Um, I think everyone should think about that, and I think you should really like. Just, yeah, don't fucking. It doesn't matter if it's going to be tomorrow or if it's in 10 years it it doesn't fucking matter okay let's go on to the last passage this last passage is a fucking long one okay this, this one's a whole page i don't know how much of this we're actually going to jump into and really i think i want to jump into just the first paragraph for the most part but i'm going to read the whole thing the the whole the whole basis on this this passage though is can relate to everyone and it, it really is the imposter syndrome uh person talking in your head it, it's about waking up in the morning and not wanting to get out of bed all of us face that constantly whether every whether you whether you have a day job or not whether you're a music producer or a software engineer it doesn't matter who the fuck you are or what you do doesn't matter if you create something or not, but even more so for those creatives and those people who own businesses about like, sometimes you just don't want to get out of bed. You just want to stay in bed, but you have to fucking get up. 
you have to and you have to get to work um so let's let's jump into this one at dawn when you have trouble getting out of bed tell yourself i have to go to work as a human being what do i have to complain of if i'm going to do what i was born for the things i was brought into the world to do or is this what i was created for to huddle under the blankets and stay warm but it's nicer here so you were born to feel nice instead of doing things and experiencing them don't you see the plants the birds the ants and and spiders and bees going about their individual tasks putting the world in order as best they can and you're not willing to do your job as a human being why aren't you running to do what your nature demands but we have to sleep sometime agreed but nature's set a limit on that as it did on eating and drinking and you're over the limit you've had more than enough of that but not of working you're still below your quota you don't love yourself enough or do you or or you'd love your nature too and what it demands of you people who love what they do wear themselves down doing it and they even forget to wash or eat do you have less respect for your own nature than the engraver does for engraving the dancer for dance, the miser for money, or the social climber for status, when they're really possessed by what they do, they'd rather stop eating and sleeping than give up practicing their arts. Is helping others less valuable to you, not worth your effort? The the so you were born to feel nice instead of doing things and experiencing one, that one's like a fucking slap in the face. I Everyone has to get up out of bed, and I think this is an important passage to kind of think about when you're, when you're having those struggling moments of not wanting to get out of bed, of like understanding, like there's more fucking, there's more stuff to be done. You have to, you have to, every, I think everyone wants to, for the most part, I mean, as long as you're not a sociopath or psychopath, like everyone wants to leave this world, um, making it a better place, building off of the building blocks of everyone else, but you can't do that. If you're just wanting to lay, want if you're tired and you don't want to get up and do the thing and work hard, all right, take, have- take it for me. Like I, I got out of bed at nine fifteen this morning. I had to be at work at nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's that sort of shit where you know you gotta you gotta get up and fucking do the work. There's work to be done, and you have to do the work. Um, most, and I think understanding or, or grasping the fact, and this isn't true, but coming to the understanding that no one's going to do it, but you, you have to do it. I think that helps cope with that. It helps kind of build that perseverance and that discipline of like, okay, we got to get to the grindstone and, and start working this. The, you know, the quote, you don't love yourself enough, or you'd love your nature too, and what it demands of you. I think a, the second part of this really speaks a lot to it speaks a lot to what the fuck do you want to do? Because if the thing that you love doing, whether that's producing music or or writing a book, if the thing that you think you love to do doesn't instill that need or want of getting out of bed to want to do it, then you're not doing the thing you're supposed to be doing. Right. I I think it really comes down to. You know, you may work a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift and you're tired and you're you can't you can't even imagine doing anything more. The second you get home, if you don't start, you know, strumming on the guitar or, you know, sit down in front of your laptop or or do that. If you don't think about doing that, then 
maybe you're not in the right headspace for what you're doing. And of course, I mean, I'm sure there, I've been there. I've been, I've gone weeks not looking at a DAW and I've gone days without, you know, strumming on a guitar. And I'm like, I can't do this right now. I can't even prepare to function this self myself like doing this. But there have also been times I've gotten home from work after a 12 hour day I've jumped on my computer and I wrote for six straight hours and I went back to work three hours after that. Yeah. The other part to take away from this too, is that like, you know, and we've talked about this in the podcast in the past, like you don't have to write music if that's not where you're feeling, but you know, you want, like you want to be in that headspace. You want to better yourself, your career. You can do other things that are business oriented in music that are going to help you out that don't need to be directly related to around writing music not everything is about writing music when you're produ- like there's other things you have to do there's other parts of the job build that marketing plan build that promo list build that instagram brand like there's so many options for you to diversify your portfolio of your working on your music career and nobody really thinks about it and people get burnt out on writing because they spend all their time writing as producers and djs you can dj music you can work on your sets you can you know, invent your style. You can do sample hunt. You can do anything. It's it's really there's so many options. Yeah, for you. and I think most of us do f- have that passion and love where it's like our nature is telling us this is what we have to do and we have to do it. Some days you don't want to do it. You have to get up out of bed and fucking do it. Whether it's writing the track or it's working on a marketing plan, you have to go through those notion th- through those motions. And um, you know. If music, being a music producer doesn't make you want to jump out of bed and start working on stuff, then then yeah, it might be, you know, <laughs> nature's telling you to do something else that you're you're not doing and you need to figure out what the fuck that is and move on to it. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I don't necessarily we need I don't necessarily think we need to think of that like literally that like if you have one day where it's like, oh, I don't want to get up and do this, then that's it. You don't like I don't think that's in the literal sense but you know if you're going months of like i don't want to do that then there's a change that is supposed to happen that you're not accepting and you're not wanting to go through and i think it's important to find that and figure out what the fuck that is and go through that change that's it man that's the last passage that's a big one i mean honestly they're all really pertinent and everything not everything means as much as you think it does until it really actually does. If you look into it and think about it, being stoic is isn't all about being completely emotionless. It's it's about re- reevaluating and reframing things. Honestly, to simplify it, you you just have to think of things in a different light and take them at a leveled approach, not an emotionless approach, but a leveled approach. You could, that leveled approach could be high, but as long as it's consistent, as long, and flat. it's got to be it has to be logical. It's like be based in like you're not again you're not pushing against nature. You're thinking in a logical sense, ethically as well, um, and you know physically, <laughs> like um, you know if you're upset about someone who lives all the way across the world, well, physics isn't gonna allow you to just jump in front of that person immediately and start like you know. So it's like. There's things that you can't handle that are halfway across. Don't fucking worry about that. There's you can't just run over there and change something. That's not. I I had read somewhere that um, 
I, this goes back to the, the morning, you know, stages for when someone passes, you're allowed to mourn for a month, a year. But when you approach a decade of mourning, that's, you've lost at that point. You've, you've lost the, the stoicism and that becomes unnatural and illogical. Mm-hmm. And now you're fighting. You're fighting against nature in that sense, for right. sure. And at that that point, you're only hindering yourself. You're only leaving yourself not willing to get out of bed in the morning, thinking, "Why have I been mourning for twelve years, ten years, fourteen years, whatever?" And it it's it was the most resonant thing I think I read for this concept. And also, you know, jumping into that, it plays right into that last, that last passage too, which is, you know, if you're, if you're dwelling for that long, you're only hurting yourself. Actually, you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting others because without you being a valuable person to this human experience and building off of the building blocks of everything we've created as the human race, you're not, you're, you're not allowing yourself to be of use to others in a helpful manner. And again, that plays into the very last sentence, which is, is helping others less valuable to you, not worth your effort, which is very deep. And, and for as long as you go without helping yourself, you're also holding back everyone else because you don't see helping others as a valuable thing. And so long as you don't help yourself, you cannot help others. Fucking deep. This was a deep episode, dude. I was so, yeah, I was so excited to get into this one. Um, like I said, I'm going to have, I'll have meditations uh, as, as well as a couple of the other books I had mentioned at the beginning in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out, guys. Head to enviousaudio.com slash episode 86 now. I think we're on 86. Good Lord. Oh, I wanted to mention, I think I'm going to, we're going to start up a Discord for the whole electronic dance money community so um if you're a fan of the show if you want to hang out with some other producers talk about episodes talk about marketing stuff promote your music all that all of that jazz head to enviousaudio.com slash discord and that'll direct you straight to the discord channel um and we'll get going on that but that'll be in the show notes as well Thanks for hanging out, Mike. I appreciate your time, dude. Too. Always a fun time as I type in the, <laughs> the Discord. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. 